um, we're going to kind of, this is one of those weeks where it's kind of an interesting week because we're in between two series. And so last week, you guys, uh, you met, um, I would have said a good friend of mine, John, until he teased me. Um, but in all honesty, I've known John, I don't even know for how many years, and he kind of concluded our, our series, thank you guys, Winning the War in Your Mind, where we discussed really what it meant for us to win the battle, the war mentally that we engage in. And, and we went through these five weeks where we looked at it and we talked about it and, and we discovered that there's multiple different ways that we can strategize to do this. And, and today is the day where we're going to kind of not fully transition, but rather we're, we're serving as like the bridge between the next series in our previous series that we just got out of. As we head into the summer, we're going to be embarking on, and you're going to see a promo in a little bit about it at the end of the service. It's a, and this is, might be a little nerve-wracking for some of us. It's a series where we talk about spiritual disciplines, the disciplines of how we grow spiritually. And, and we just got done talking about the war in our mind, but we have to come to terms with there's also a war going on spiritually that we have to learn to fight. And the spiritual disciplines help us to engage with our soul, engage deeper with our soul and what's going on in our soul and what's been happening in our soul. And so this coming series is going to be all about how, how we engage with our souls. And um, today I want to kind of start with a simple question. That was pretty smooth, by the way. Um, I have so much ADHD this morning. I'm sorry, guys. Um, a simple question. This is what it is. If you stopped coming, and if you stopped being present here and being involved in your local church, this church for many of us probably, if you stopped totally, how would your life be different? Wrestle with that for maybe three seconds. How would your life be different? I think for some of us, we'd have a simple answer to that, but there's a bigger question actually with that. If you stopped coming here and stopped being involved in your local church, how would other people's lives be different? The people sitting to your right, to your left, in front of you, behind you, how would their lives be different if you didn't actually show up and be present and engage? How would others people, other people's lives be different? A lot of times we think about it for our own self of like, well, my life would be different because in the summertime I've had my, you know, my Sunday mornings free where I could go do X, Y, and Z. I could go sit on the beach at 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. and it'd be phenomenal. We can talk a lot about what we would do, but there's a reality, I think, for others as well. If we stopped being involved, if we stopped showing up, if we stopped engaging, other people's lives would be different too. And today we're going to talk about this. Uh, so I actually asked David Dykstra to join me this morning. Um, and he's going to share kind of a little bit of how he has seen this kind of play out, uh, not just in his own personal life and with his wife, but also, um, also just even as a church. David um, kind of sits on my leadership team, so he helps with some of that, those details of how the church is going and where we're going and all that stuff. But I've also had multiple conversations with David about just kind of small groups and engagement and how, we, how, how do we do this thing called discipleship? 
right? And so he's going to kind of share from his kind of perspective of what that meant and how he's engaged with that as well as what God has been showing him with that. And so um, I've asked Dave kind of to share about that. And uh, after he's done, um, we're going to kind of just go back and forth a little bit. And the first thing that I want Dave to share upon is kind of like, what has God shown you in regards to why community that you formed in the church has mattered, especially with a small group that you are a part of? Exactly. Well, normally I'm the guy sitting back there. Um, so this is a little uncomfortable for me. But um, like Kyle said, we've been talking about this for quite a while, probably close to a year. Yeah. Um, in the last... Well, it's the October, so that's what, nine months, eight months, something like that. Um, Kay and I led a small group uh, here at the story. It was about six, seven, eight of us. And uh, the one thing we came out of that that I never imagined, I've been, I've been a Christian for more than 40 years. Okay? The one thing I never really registered with me is how important relationship is. Yeah. Um, not just relationship with God. That's important. Absolutely critical. Got to have that relationship. But relationship with other Christians. People that you can sit with, that you can share with, that you can be honest with, and they can be honest with you. Um, People that can get you through tough times just by being there and listening. And we talked about that in battle space a little bit over the last few weeks, is having someone to hear you and having someone that you can talk to, but having someone also that you can listen to and maybe realize that what you think is so bad isn't quite so bad. You can love each other. You can care for each other. Bear one another's burdens, which is a huge deal. But the other thing that I found is in that relationship with God, in those relationships with Christians, my relationship with non-Christians became so much better. Um... It's, it's interesting. I've never thought about the relationship with non-Christians when it came to my spiritual walk. But, um, yeah, during this time, I was struggling with work. I was struggling with things that was going on, a new job, new experiences, not new job, new, new job within the company, new experiences, new stresses, um, things that I struggled with trying to get through. And Thursday nights became my way of just <laughs> venting. Um, Greg, stop. (laughs) There were so many times that I came in and it was just, I got to get this out. And what should have been an hour to an hour and a half turned into two and a half. And now I hear Erica laughing at me. Um, But being able to pour all that out, but also being able to hear them and hearing what's in their lives and what's important in their lives and what they're struggling with in their lives and realizing, yeah, my little life isn't all that big a deal when I hear somebody else's problems and somebody else's struggles. So I think that little group became really, really close. Um, We loved each other. We held each other. uh, We supported each other. We shared some really, really personal stuff. Um, and I love, Erica caught me last week. She said, I miss that. There's just something about having that people you can lean on for support and who lean on you. It's really, really, really important. 
Yeah, and, and what's interesting about that too is when you, if you were to look at the scripture, Paul talks about this quite a bit. Especially today, we're going to look at Galatians. In, in Galatians 6, um, Paul writes these words, and he's writing this to the letter. Uh, this is a letter to the church in Galatia. And as he writes this, he writes uh, verses 6, or sorry, 6, 1 through 3. So chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Uh, and this is what it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help the person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself because simply put, you are not that important. I love how Paul is just blunt, (laughs) right? Like Paul gets me, I get Paul, I think sometimes. But what's so intriguing is when he's writing this, we have to remember that Paul is not writing this from a position where he looks at himself and says, I am holier than thou. Look at me. Look at all that I'm doing. Look at how I'm acting. Because Paul also realizes that Paul was nowhere near being holier than thou in a previous few years, so to say. You get what I'm saying? We have to remember that Paul was Saul before he had this authentic, raw, real conversion moment. Paul did not live according to this necessarily. And so... As Paul writes this, he's writing this from a spot of someone who has fallen into sin himself, found themselves trapped in a place where the only way to get out is because of God's deliverance. And so now he's writing this in a place to encourage and remind others, remind believers to bear one another's burdens, to walk with each other, to carry each other. It's not ignore, it's not excuse, it's not exploit or destroy, it's Bear with one another, bear their burdens, walk with them. Why? Because the goal is always restoration back to God. That's what he's saying. When we bear with one another, when I share David's burdens and he shares my burdens, the goal is restoration back to God. And the verb that is used in this, in this passage, it's, it's a verb that would be equivalent or sometimes translated in medical in the Greek to restore to a former condition. It would be the same verb that we would use like when you replace or re-put back together like a dislocated shoulder, right? You're restoring it back to the previous former condition. That's what he's talking about. To bear with one another, to help with one another, to encourage one another. It's to put back to the former condition, the better condition before it was hurt. And so as he continues to go, he urges us to restore with one another to restore each other, to share the burdens. And what I love about this is it's also not an expectation. It's not, Dave, I'm going to expect you to always bear my burdens and you shoulder the, the blunt of that because that would be very self-focused, right? And he very clearly says it like, if you think that you are too important to help someone else, you be lying. You are not that important. Like, It's not about you. It's not about this self-focus, this this internal thing. It's always backed to being others-focused. Because Jesus bore the burdens of many as well, right? He always was shouldering other burdens. And it's a simple command to look for a brother or sister with with a burden and help them, walk with them. It's not complicated. It doesn't take a huge program even. And I think this is where maybe we miss it as kind of the Western Christian church. 
We shouldn't have to have a ministry to show people how to bear each other's burdens. You understand what I'm saying with that? I think as a church, we need to remember not just what Paul is saying, but how Jesus acted even. Bearing with one another, walking with one another. And so um, as part of that, you know, David, you kind of started to talk a little bit about this group that you were a part of. And there are many times that you even experienced this exact thing, you know, and um, many nights where you came into the group and what that all looked like and how you would leave feeling and all of those things. And so can you just share maybe even a little bit about that and what that meant for you to bear others' burdens, but also to have them walk with you and shoulder some of that as well for you and, and Kay? Absolutely. There were so many nights that I came into the group just completely burnt out. Almost to the point of going, you know, we should just cancel. I can't do this today. Um, whatever happened, whatever customer I had to deal with, whatever employee or uh, fellow employee I had to deal with, whatever, it just completely fried me out. And I walked in going, I can't do this. I can't do this. But then, okay, part of this being me is I have a responsibility. I need to be there. They're expecting me to be there. I promised I would be there. Okay. I don't know how this is going to go, but we'll do it. And so often, I would walk away energized. And it wasn't about me. The times I remember that most was somebody came in on the verge of tears. And I realized a customer being angry with me was not that big a deal. I realized trying to find that extra money in the budget that I had to find that I was stressing out over wasn't really that big of a deal. But having someone whose family is falling apart, that's a big deal. And I could step out of myself and just be there for them. And all of a sudden, I felt the spirit move through me, and I felt energized. And I felt like, yeah, this is where I need to be. I need to be praying for them. I need to be holding them. And while I'm doing that, they're praying for me. And they're holding me. And suddenly, what I felt was almost a house of cards in my life suddenly had pillars and foundations and a way for me to be able to hold up and be able to get through. And suddenly it became not just one person, not just two people, but a group that was holding each other. So the one thing we, we studied, a, a study called Experiencing God. Um, very deep, very profound stuff. Um, but it's all about building your relationship with God in whatever the circumstances. And knowing that God is always around us. And all we have to be is with him. Um, I am stuck. This is the way I grew up. This is, the, this is the Gen X in me, if you will. I am stuck in the what can I do? What's the next thing I can do? What's the next project? What's the next thing that I need to do to be successful, accepted, whatever? And the thing we learned is if you were to turn to God and say, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He'd say, nothing. You don't have to do anything for me. 
Just be. Just be. And like I said, I've been a Christian for 40 years, more than 40 years. It's the first time I'd ever heard that. God doesn't want me to do anything for him or be active or it's not about the work. It's about being with him and being in relationship with him. And as part of that, I think what's so interesting too is that there's a lot of times, and our tendency is mine included, is we know we're supposed to rely on each other, right? We're, we know that we are built for community, but there's something that gets in the way. Maybe it's just me, but this little thing called pride. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I can do it myself. Like, I'm strong enough. I have what it takes. I'm, I'm built for this, right? It, pride. It gets in the way, and... and if you keep reading in chapter 6 in Galatians, he continues on where, um, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. And so what's intriguing is, right here you have Paul just like one verse beforehand, in chapter, verse uh, 2, 3, where he says, bear with one another, but then he also says, like, you're responsible for your own conduct. And when sometimes we read this, we'd say, well, Paul's not that smart. Like, he just contradicted himself. You can't say, bear with one another, and then go say, you're responsible for your own self. Well, before we start rolling down that hill, what if, what if Paul's not contradicting himself here? What if instead Paul is saying, like, if you have pride, you think that you can just go at this alone, but we need one another. And I think what's so intriguing is there's a responsibility also to, to carry our loads before the cross and set them down too, right? Because David can't set my sin at the cross for me. I need to go to God and say, God, I need you to redeem and restore what is broken and what is lost. I need you. And I also need Dave to come alongside me and say, God, I am, I am interceding. I am going with him. I am walking with him in this journey called life. We need you to renew and redeem and restore. It's not just a either or. It's not just either you bear with one another's burdens or you do it on your own. It's a both and. It's a both and. And, and I kind of think of it also as this way of, um, in order for me to walk with David as a brother in Christ, I also have to be able to internally look at my own life and say, yeah, I don't have it all together. I'm broken too. I need Jesus too. Because if I come at it from a holier than thou or a look at me, I'm never going to be able to, bury or to bear another person's burdens because I can't even walk authentically saying, God, I need you. It, it's similar to, um, if you were to look at a chain, it's similar to each part of that chain has a job, and that, that part of the single link is to hold a certain amount of weight, right? Each individual link is supposed to hold a certain amount of weight. And so with all of them put together, they can hold thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pounds of weight. But each individual one also has to do their own job. And I think when we think about discipleship, it has to be this both and. It's both individual. We both individually come to God and say, God, I need you. Here's my brokenness. I need you to restore. God, here's my authentic self. I need you to continue to walk with me. But we also need the corporate aspect. 
God, here we are. Here we are. We are broken. We are searching. We are longing for you. Would you meet us here? It's a both and. And, and this is essentially what you even felt as you were journeying with this small group and even a few other times that, that God really showed you it's not just the individual part, but it's the, it's the part that is also corporate, right? Exactly. So in the Experiencing God, um, we learned there are seven steps to a relationship with God, and I'm honestly not smart enough to remember all seven. Um, but I broke it down to three because I feel like three I can handle. And the three are basically this. First, we, we know God's working somewhere in the church, in the community, and everything. So find where God is working, wherever that is. If it's in the community, if it's in the school, if it's in your work, whatever that is, find where he is. Second thing is join him there. Find a way to join in. Um, I think about hand-to-hand all the time about that. We found out God was working in Comstock Park School somehow. And so we joined him there. Becca and Erica joined him there. And then the third step, the one that I find is important for me, is just do stuff with him. Find where he is, join him there in relationship, and do stuff. And this is not the, this is not the find the big project and I'm going to build the tower or anything like that. This is... Um, <laughs> Kay and I do stuff together all the time. Sometimes it's sitting and watching TV. Sometimes it's going to the store. Sometimes it's just taking a drive, which I love and she doesn't. Um, it's just doing stuff. Because in doing stuff, you build relationship together. You don't build relationship by coming out here and um, doing the landscaping on the church once a year. I don't build relationship with Kyle that way. I build relationship with Kyle sitting at Panera Bread and talking. Or coming here for lead team and talking and opening myself up. Um, one of the things, a couple, a couple examples to make this clear. Um, Kay and I have been praying for someone at my job since October. Don't know why. It was one of those, we both at the same time felt, we need to pray for this person. Not really sure what we're praying for, but we felt we need to pray for this person, so we prayed for them. And a couple of times, I felt the Spirit nudging me, going, you need to witness to them. You need to tell them about Jesus. And I kept going, eh, this is my job. This guy's uncomfortable. Um, this person has some authority. Uh, I don't know that I can do that. And I kept pulling back and pulling back. But in, in our small group, we talked about it. And we prayed about it. And people prayed for me about it. And then one day back in February, I think, January, February, something like that, this person came to me and said, hey, are you a Christian? <coughs> yeah. What's, what is that? What's that all about? I'm like, wait a minute. Where did this come from? This person is absolutely not a Christian. Um, actually anti in a lot of ways. But it's, I'm just, where did that come from? And he started asking questions. I'm going, wow. Okay, if I'm not going to step up, God's going to step me up. 
and people were praying for me. And I was able to talk for probably 90 minutes with this person. Questions, things like, one of the questions I think I shared with you was, how do you know your God's better than the God of the Islams, the God of the Jews, or the God of this, or the God of that? How do you know your God's the right God? Wow. That's deep. And I just started talking. And the more we talked, the more questions he asked. Um, and he says to me as I'm, as I'm talking, and he says, I see things you post on Facebook, and I see this. And Is that your witness? Yeah, I guess so. And he says, um, he starts telling about different people he's, he's seen their witness, and he's been offended by their witness. And I said, well, I apologize if I offend you. He says, oh, no. You're not offending me at all. I see this is just you. And uh, it was just a, I'm, I don't know if this person has accepted Christ in their life. Um, I don't know that I'll be around when he does. All I know is I had my few minutes to share with him. And in the Bible it says, Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God made it happen. So maybe I planted, maybe I watered, maybe I just pulled a couple weeds, but that was God making that happen. Um, one other example of groups, I've got to talk about this one. Um, over the last two years, <laughs> Kyle mentioned that we've had this thing called a pandemic over the last couple of years, if anybody remembers. Um, and we've kind of fallen apart as a community, as a nation. Um, we've become separate. Um, it's all different than it used to be. We're not together anymore. We're not spending time together anymore. Um, we think isolation is normal. We think being on my own is normal. I don't need anybody else. Um, I see that in my job because I deal with people all the time. And people come in and it's just like, well, this is the way it is. And it's like, no, it's not. And it's not the way it should be. Because we should be able to get along together. We should be able to be together and exist together. And we have to find a way to start a, restart our relationships together. Okay? Um, care about each other. Care about that person at the store. Care about this person. Ask questions about them. And for us here, we need to be praying for them. Um, one more story if I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, back in February, I think it was, at a lead team, um, as we're going around and we're, we're talking through everything and we get to the end and Kyle turns to me and I think I probably had a, just an exhausted look on my face or something. He says, Dave, how you doing? And I don't think you expected me to talk for 20 minutes and just pour my life out. Problems at work, stress, all these different things, things that I was doing that probably weren't an inappropriate way to handle that stress. And uh, I just completely emptied myself out um, to a group of people that I trust. And uh, it, was, it was one of those when you get to the end, you're kind of going, oh, I can't believe I said that. I just can't believe I said that. And Joe Burns, who sits on the, the lead team as well, was sitting straight across from me. I don't know Joe that well. We know each other. We say hi to each other. We talk. But I don't know him. He's not a buddy of mine or anything like that. We don't spend time together. But Joe's sitting across the table, and he called me out. And if you know Joe, 
joke and call you out. And uh, he pretty much figuratively and kind of literally slapped me upside the head and said, you're doing this wrong. You're looking at this wrong. You're handling this wrong. And I was like, well, what would I do? I mean, and we talked. We talked as a group. Um, but yeah, Joe slapped me down to the point where I went home and I talked to Kay about it and said, yeah, I got to do some different stuff here. And I went to work and I, I changed some things and I made some decisions that uh, I think were the right ones. Fast forward a couple months. We're sitting at Battle Space last week and Joe and Britt happened to sit at our table for, for lunch. And he looks at me and says, so how are things going at work? Okay. Well, since we talked in February, what's changed? I was like, man, I forgot we hadn't even thought about that. We haven't talked about that. But Joe remembered. He cared enough about me to remember to, to ask me about that. And I let him know exactly what happened. And he told me he's been praying for me. And he told me that he cares. And I'm going, that's, that's community. That's a relationship. It's important. It's important that he cared enough to talk to me and remember and come to me about that, to care for me, to lift me up, to bear my burden, if you will. And you can only do that in relationship because if I was to come to you and I don't know you, but I said, I'm going to bear your burden, <laughs> you'd go, nah, I don't think so. You can't go to the stranger on the street and say, hey, mister, I don't know your name. I'm going to bear your burden because they're going to go, no, don't think so. It's about relationship. But it's not only that, it's about showing the world we're different because we come together in relationship. Jesus said, show the world you're different. <clears throat> and I think that's the way we do it, is through relationship. Yeah. And uh, just thank you for sharing today. Thank you for joining us with that just kind of journey of what that community and small group look like. And one of the things that makes us different, right, is... We're told, the writer of Proverbs actually tells us that um, we're, we're called to sharpen each other. It's a verse that probably many of us have heard of, iron sharpens iron. And it, the exact verse is what it says in Proverbs 27, uh, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And I think that's what the base of that was, right? With Joe and, and even you as that relationship, it's how do we sharpen each other? How do we sharpen each other? And so um, just, Dave, thank you again um, just for sharing today. Can you guys just give it up and uh, just thank Dave as well for me? <clears throat> and <clears throat> what's so intriguing is, is that as, as a man sharpens one another, it's, this, it's also sharpening both of them at the same time. Um, I don't know if you guys can believe this or not. Um, I, I don't work with metal that much. Um, I know it's a shocker, right? Um, looking at me, you're probably like, man, that guy has built so many different things out of metal. I can't believe he doesn't work with metal. I, I don't know if I've done much of anything with metal, um, besides swing a softball bat that's made of metal. And, but as, as one sharpens another, it, it takes this thing called friction, friction. You see, as, as part of this, as iron sharpens iron, it takes friction, which means that there's this tension 
there's this rub, there's this uncomfortableness, especially within relationships with that. And it's this moment, though, I think a lot of times when I look back at my life, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I've had people in my life who have desired to sharpen me. But as part of that, the moments of sharpening, the moments of, of iron sharpening iron in that relationship, I'll be the first one to also admit I was very uncomfortable, and at times I was very angry that it was happening. I remember there's times as a young um, adult leader in a youth ministry, um, there were these two mentors of mine. They sat me down and they're like, Kyle, you can't do this. You can't do that. And here's why. And I was like, are you kidding me, man? Like, I'm doing ministry. Like, all oh, this is great and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, dude, like, you can't, you can't do this. And, and here's why. And then they, they, they shared about it. And I was so frustrated at the time. But then I literally can look back now, but even two weeks after that moment, in that time where I looked at them and I was like, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you hold me accountable for things. I'm so thankful that you point me in the right direction. I'm so thankful that you fill in the blank. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. And it's, um, one commenter puts it, it, it's, let's take up the bond of brotherhood. If a brother seems to walk alone, sharpen his iron with godly communication. Walk together in mutual concern for each other. Their brokenness, their trials, their temptations, walk together in brotherhood. I think this has been such a true statement for this past year. Uh, for many of, of us, um, we probably don't know some of the inner workings of what being a part of the network of the Zero Collective looks like. And so I want to give you a, a very quick glimpse, if I can. Is that cool? If you say no, I don't care. I'm doing it anyways. Um, as part of the Zero Collective, every Tuesday morning, I have the privilege and the chance to sit with the four other teachers in the Zero Collective network. You met one of them, John, last week. Um, and Brian and David have been here. And then um, Brad, who is down in Wayland, it also is a part of that team as well. And here's what's so beautiful about the Zero Collective. It's designed for iron to sharpen iron. It, that means every Tuesday morning, I have the blessing of getting critiqued on my message every single weekend. I get feedback every single Tuesday morning from two other teacher, teachers about my message. And, and there's times where, hey, when you said this, it really didn't make sense. Or, hey, your story was eight minutes long. Bro, you should have told that in three minutes. And I'm like, I like stories though, right? But there's this moment, and here's what's so beautiful about it, is we have the chance to sharpen each other. We have the chance to grow together. We have the chance to do life together. And sometimes that means with critiquing and criticism, can I just share that's okay? It's okay sometimes to give and have those hard conversations. It's needed because it sharpens us and it makes us better. It makes us sharper. It makes us able to move forward. And I, I just truly think that God is moving and doing something, not just in the collective as a whole, but I believe in this church as well. Just seeing how different teams are working and functioning and stepping into different roles and growing. 
I think God is on the move and doing something. My question is, though, are, are we willing to jump in and do things with him? Are, are, we, are we willing to be a part of it? Or are we content with just sitting in a comfortable seat on the sideline? That's a really tough question for a lot of people to answer. Because if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, I, I do like comfy seats. I do like checking off a box sometimes. I, I sometimes don't like feedback. I sometimes don't like the tension and the friction. And as part of this, I think having these tough conversations doesn't have to look in this big group type of setting even. Some of the most helpful conversations I've had have been sitting in a coffee booth, have been sitting at a restaurant, have been sitting in, in a, a, a recliner chair at somebody's living room or on a back patio or a back deck. Some of these conversations can, can be through these moments of just being present with each other. And God invites us to do stuff with him, to be present with him in the life of others as well. That's what Dave was sharing. And so I got three kind of questions as, uh, as I'm going to invite Katie up. As Katie comes up and we, we kind of close out today, I got three kind of questions for us. They're very simple. I think they're easy to remember. And this is what it is. Number one, all three of them start out with God, how are you inviting me and so the first one is, God, how are you inviting me to be with you? God, how are you inviting me to be with you? God, I know you are present. I know you are doing stuff. How are you inviting me to just be with you? To quiet myself and be with you. How are you inviting me to do that? The next one is, God, how are you inviting me to walk with you? First, he invites us to, to be with him to be present with him, to sit in his glory, sit in his presence. And then he says, come and journey with me as I journey with you. Let me take your right hand and, and just hold on to it. Let me walk with you. God, how are you inviting me to walk with you? Wherever you go, I will go. And the last one is, God, how are you inviting me to do stuff with you? God, how are you inviting me to do stuff with you? God, I know you're moving in people's lives at my work. How are you inviting me to be a part of that? God, I know you're moving in my family. How are you inviting me to be a part of that? What's my role with you in that? God, how are you inviting me to do stuff with you? Over and over and over again, I read the scriptures, I read the gospels, and what I love is Jesus was so invitational to anyone and everyone. He didn't care if you were a prostitute or a Pharisee. He said, come and be with me. He was invitational. And our Western world says, get your stuff together and then come and hang out with Jesus. But Jesus says, bring all your stuff with you. I kind of like it. God, how are you inviting me to do stuff with you, even with all my baggage and brokenness and messed upness? That's not even a real word there, messed upness, but it is today. How are you inviting me to do stuff with you? 
And I want you to just lean in. I know I've said that already this morning, but just lean in and ask God, like, God, maybe today I just need to seek being with you. Or maybe today I need to seek how you're walking with me and I can walk with you. Or maybe today God is showing you how you can do stuff with him. Whatever one of these three things, whatever he is inviting you into and to do, would you just lean into it today during this next song? Would you just lean into what God is moving and stirring and bringing you to do and to walk with him? Because I believe that God has something in store for each and every one of us. The question is, are we, are we willing to be uncomfortable in our own lives <laughs> to see everything that he has in store? To see everything that he has in store? I'm incredibly excited for what God is going to do this summer. I'm incredibly excited for what God has done this school year. But here today, I'm incredibly excited that we just get to be with him. So don't miss the moment to just be with your Savior, your Redeemer, your friend, your Father, as he just speaks to you. Father, we just come before you longing for more. Father, we long for more of you. We long for more of your presence. Father, we long for more of your glory. And God, as we just, as we just sit and we just wait upon your presence, wait upon your voice and your instruction, Lord, I ask that you would just continue. Just continue to just settle upon us with your spirit, Lord. Continue to just show us your glory. Show us your, pra- your, your just beauty and who you are and what you've done and what you are doing, Lord. Open our eyes and our hearts to what you have in store. And God, I just ask that we would never forget the goodness. Never forget the, the beauty and the power of your name. So Father, as we just sit here, And as we just prepare to continue to worship you through song, Lord, I just ask that if there's somebody who just is stirred, that there's just a stirring right now, Lord, that they would just come and they would just, they would just cry out to you, that they would just pour it out to you, knowing that you can handle it. Maybe there's some of us who just need to speak again to you because it's been far too long that we've actually spoken to you. We've served and we've checked off a box or we've shown up and done the right things, but we we haven't had an actual conversation with you. So would you just allow us the moment, the space, the time to, to speak with you, but you speak to us as well, Lord. Open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you are doing. And God, I just ask that you would just continue to walk with us and invite us in. The little things in life even, Lord that we can just celebrate that you are a God who moves and a God who who continually is doing what you have always done, redeeming, renewing, and restoring everything back to you. So God, we give you all the praise, all the glory. 
And during this next song, Lord, would, would you just continue, Lord, continue to just do and speak and move in ways that we can't even imagine right now. Lord, we just pray this in your name, the name of your son who died for us so that we can eternally be with you in heaven. Jesus, our Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.